1: Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously as we take these movies seriously. Soli. Sir.
0: It is 2.15 p.m. Yes. Which means that it is bright and sunny out. It is not near dark.
1: Correct. It is also not 1987.
0: It's none of those things. So why are we talking about them?
1: Because the movie we watched this week is Near Dark from
0: 1987. Oh, now I get it.
1: Yeah, that was very clever. That was a
0: great intro. (laughs) I think we're going to win some awards this year.
1: (laughs) That's going to be the thing that does it, too. (laughs)
0: That's going to push us over the edge.
1: (laughs) Yep. Most of my comments about this movie are going to focus around one completely made-up theory that I have about this movie. (laughs)
0: Something totally irrelevant to the movie.
1: Exactly. That has nothing to do with this movie. So before I dive into that, I feel like I should give you the opportunity to tell me what you thought about this movie.
0: Well, I'm going to start by saying this is a movie about small-town, rural... Farm boy stuff. Yes, where
1: Caleb from Fix, Oklahoma. Oh, he's
0: from Fix, and nobody knows where that is. closest town is. is Lawton, but he's from Fix. I don't Fix. know where
1: that is either. No,
0: but the the bus guy, he knew. <laughs>
1: that's, that's the fun thing about small town living is that small town folk, and I say that with love, being someone who grew up in a very small town community doing exactly this thing, but small town folk will tell you where they live no one will ever have heard of that community and then they will tell you then the, the <laughs> what they consider the nearest big city and people are still like yeah no <laughs> i don't know
0: and then they're like no but you turn right after the big stump
1: <laughs> you generally have to go to something like we're we're like 3 hours north of <laughs> yeah and then people are like oh yeah i've heard oh, of yeah.
0: that yeah yeah i've heard of Texas,
1: <laughs> it's it's the story of of Caleb from Fix, Oklahoma.
0: It's Caleb, the farm boy, meets a young lady and like spends all night driving her around town. Apparently, because it was dawn when they stopped. So,
1: I mean, it's possible it could have been like around closing time when they yeah they dubbed, came out of the was like two a.m. or something. Sure, but-,
0: but turns out she's part of a traveling vampire troupe. And
1: you make them sound like circus performers. I mean, they
0: were kind of like a little circus troupe, <laughs> definitely.
1: They they definitely they had were.
0: the vibe. And you know, she bites him, and he starts becoming a vampire. And it's the trials and tribulations of Caleb having to deal with now he's a vampire and this group of crazy carny folk who are vampires.
1: It really was the tragic story of Caleb having to choose between his family.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: a life of harassing, unsuspecting farm girls every <laughs> night at bars.
0: <laughs> you know, that's what the like the description of the movie said. He goes around and hunts women. And I'm like, oh, it's about a serial killer. And apparently they meant he just picks up women at bars. But he didn't even do that in the movie. He literally meets one woman and talks to her.
1: Okay, but don't... Okay. Maybe this is the difference between seeing this movie through female eyes and male eyes. But those guys were like definitely predatory, and we were supposed to understand them as being like rednecks who were harassing women.
0: I didn't. I think I wasn't paying attention because I kind of tuned into this movie in the moment when May shows up, the girl that he meets. And like, that was it. Like, he was talking to his friend and then he's talking to her. And that's all I saw. And I think I missed something.
1: Yeah, you definitely did. There was a lot of setup on how they were talking about women and him needing a woman and, you know, all kinds of stuff. Like, these guys were out there though definitely talking about getting him a woman and it didn't matter who it was. And like, they were sketchy dudes.
0: Reminds me of, uh, the ninth passenger where the frat boy was taking his friend around to harass women on benches and say, would you sleep with this guy for me, please? Oh yeah.
1: It was very similar to that. Yeah. Yeah. So like, He's not a good guy. And I did not love the character of Caleb. I think in 1987, he was supposed to be more relatable or, you know, like. Boys
0: will be boys. Yeah.
1: But in 2023, no. Hmm. So so the tragic story about whether he's going to choose between his life of harassing women and working on the farm with his family or his life of running around having to eat people because he's been turned into a vampire.
0: Which he was very reluctant to do.
1: Yeah, the only thing, basically it wasn't the life of that. It was family or this one woman that he had decided he had the hots for. Like, I don't even think he was in love with her. He just no. like lusted after her and the blood in her veins.
0: Oh yeah. see. That was part of it was she let him drink from her wrist. And I think he got like, you know, cause since he was starved at that point, cause he didn't want to kill anybody. He was like, <gasps> yum blood. So he was yeah. very attached to her in that way.
1: But not her. It was what she could give to him. It was, again, like, I think it was supposed to look romantic in 1987, but through 2023 eyes, all I could see was that he just wanted to follow her around and suck all the blood from her. And like, she even says, if you drink too much of my blood, you will kill me. And he didn't care. Like, he he was was like, I don't want to murder people. Well, that's true. But he's like, I don't want to murder people. So I guess I'll just suck your blood until you die, which,
0: (laughs) you know. Well, actually, there's a little bit of a parallel there because she could go out and eat people and he could suck her blood, almost all of it, and then let her go. And he would be getting his blood that way. Just like in the end of the movie, his dad pumps his entire (laughs) body's worth of blood into his son.
1: I mean, he. Obviously didn't do that because his dad would be dead if that happened. His think. dad never even had to like sit down or anything. Yeah. he didn't even get dizzy. Like I think a he
0: got a little man. dizzy. He was like leaning over at one point.
1: But like I don't understand the theory of how that de-vampiring went because it was definitely something about blood transfusions.
0: That's all it was. <laughs> but
1: there's some kind of level. I don't know. Like I was at first I was like, oh, well, it's going to take all of it because clearly like you've got vampire blood running around inside your regular blood, but that must not be how it works. Well, because he did not get a full blood transfusion.
0: I think the implication is that he did get a full blood transfusion, which is just scientifically impossible.
1: Maximum he got (laughs) three pints.
0: (laughs) But one thing I noticed was that they weren't taking blood out of his body. That, I mean, maybe they were, but they didn't show it. Like, at no point was it like, yeah. here goes his vampire blood. So were they just doubling up his blood supply? And that wouldn't help because that's basically just feeding him.
1: Right? I don't know. They needed some kind of dialysis machine or, like, bypass machine. Yes. Or, like, I know there are machines that do this. They did not have those machines. In the barn. They were just using some like glass bottles and some plastic tubing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Ridiculous. That is
0: how devampiring is done if you ever need to do it. You pump a vampire full of normal human blood and they it don't like it. Twice. They only like to drink it. They don't like it put in their veins because it just changes them back very smoothly and nicely
1: i mean we don't know that they don't like it the two people they did it to wanted to be human again
0: yeah i i just mean that it's not feeding them for whatever reason it's just replacing their blood and turning sure. them back into people because the vampirism is only in the blood it doesn't go from there into organs or anything or for example into healing your burns within 20 minutes
1: that definitely didn't happen not at all <laughs> Multiple times over. So, this movie is one of the only movies that I've ever seen that's about vampires that suggests that, like, that you're the human isn't dead.
0: Yeah, it's just, you just have to have blood. It's,
1: it's, it's cardiacs. It's like the, the vampirism is a parasite that takes over your body, only you're still in there yeah, somewhere.
0: Yeah, it, it doesn't, you're not, it's not even somewhere in this movie. It's just, you're you. You just happen to have to drink blood, and get burned by the sun. And so, you know, yeah. as a normal person, what would you do given that those things? You kind of I mean, have to go kill people, or you could be a good person about it and, like, rob blood banks or something. Not yeah. that that's great. Don't steal, please.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It really treats it like it's just something that you catch. Yeah, and very that, easily. Basically treated with antibiotics. <laughs>
0: Yeah, a little transfusion ought to do ya.
1: So that's like the only piece of this movie that Joss Whedon hasn't taken to some aspect of his own storytelling.
0: Well, do tell, Soli. Here
1: we go on my ranting theory about Joss Whedon in this movie. I 100% believe that this movie is one of the most foundational movies to his entire idea of what storytelling is and what kinds of stories he likes to tell. Like he must have watched this movie at exactly the right time in his developmental process that he like hooked into it and it's stuck in his brain permanently. It's like how I watched Spaceballs at just the right (laughs) time and that thing is in there forever.
0: Yeah. It definitely very much informed Buffy and I can see where it there's Firefly happening in there, too. So much. Yeah.
1: So much. But like, oh my gosh. It is basically Buffy. Like, Buffy is this movie expanded. Like, yeah. there's this strong, sassy female character who ends up <laughs> defeating some of the vampires in his little sister, Sarah. <laughs> there's elements of Spike. The scene where Spike drives into town in the car that's like all yeah, boarded like- up and Windows painted and everything, and Mm -hmm. he's like got his blanket over his hood and whatnot. And
0: yeah, and the like welder goggles and tin foil on the windows. Yes. I mean, there's also scenes like bar fights that are kind of the same ones.
1: Yeah. Oh, the other thing that really stu- stuck out to me is like you said, these vampires were like a circus troupe. Yeah. They There was lots of mention of like who had sired it. They didn't use that word, but like yeah. who had bit whom and like what the bloodline, ironically, was <laughs> of this vampire group. And that's, like, it totally made me think of Angel, Spike, Drusilla, and Darla, and how, like, that was all a little tangled mess full of siren and jealousy and sexual weirdness. Like, it was so, it was so there.
0: hmm I would totally agree with that.
1: And I am not the kind of person who, like, delves into or cares at all about reading interviews with producers or directors or writers of shows like i just enjoy the show for the story that it is and i don't like dive into the nitty-gritty of it but i feel like we have lived in the world of Joss Whedon and we have enjoyed enough of Joss Whedon's work that if this were a movie that he specifically said was foundational to his artistic formation, we would have come across it sooner than 2023. It worries me a little bit that I haven't heard him giving this movie credit for like everything that he's done. After a brief interlude to do some research. What? What?
0: research for us? I know.
1: We so rarely do that here. But this felt important. Joss Whedon has mentioned Near Dark as being influential. And everyone in the world recognizes it (laughs) as being source material for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm -hmm. But I stand by, because even in a Google search, like we should have heard him saying the name Near Dark a lot if he was giving that movie the credit it deserves for inspiring him. And the fact that we didn't come across a lot of that just kind of feeds into the belief I have or the feeling I have about what kind of artist Joss Whedon is.
0: Yeah. I think like he must have an obsession with this movie because you could probably find something in every scene in this movie that he directly was like, I'm going to do... My, my take on that, um, an homage to that. And, like, there's a shootout where the vampires are all in this little cabin. It's a it's like a, a hotel room, but it's like a standalone individual yes. small building. And, like, gunshots are being shot through the walls because they're very thin walls. And you see, the like, beams of light coming in because, you know, the sun's getting in and the vampires are, like, having to both dodge the bullets and getting hit by this light. Mm-hmm. And... It looks exactly like a gunfight from Firefly. Yes. Like it's not Buffy at all, but Firefly.
1: You mean the one where there's the prostitutes who are trying to fight off like the, the mayor and the whoever from town because one of them is pregnant with the guy's baby?
0: Yeah, he's coming to get his baby. Yes,
1: and the Firefly folks are there like helping them. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's like, it looks just like it. And they've got, you know, they've covered all the windows with tinfoil and Uh stuff too. So
1: It has the same vibe. Like even, it's not actually shot for shot, but it has that same like feel of the authorities on the outside and the the Mm -hmm. underdogs inside and we're, you know, protecting them and fighting with the underdogs kind of sense. Yeah. Which, I mean,
0: that could be a trope, a situation that, you know would happen in both stories but it's done in a way that it really looks like he Mm -hmm. was thinking about this movie when he was making it
1: well and here's the other piece of it the angstiness of it (laughs) yeah the emotional feel of this movie and of so many parts of joss whedon stories are are parallel to each other like The whole idea of, like, don't tell anybody, don't talk to anybody about what's going on, you know, keep secrets from the ones you love the most. Like, there's so much of that.
0: Yeah, there's definitely a lot of little parallels all throughout.
1: Yeah. So, I I don't know. It was was very interesting. And even just, like, the toxic Xander character, like, the nice guy character, because... (laughs) I think, again, it was 1987. I think the Caleb character is supposed to be a nice guy, even though he's constantly trolling for women and Uh clearly looks at women as just like objects. He's the nice guy and, you know, he's in love with this woman, which he clearly isn't. Like, he just wants someone to provide for him. But you can see so many parallels between who he is and what he does and how he's the hero and, like, protects May and this and that. And how Xander is the hero, the nice guy hero in Buffy. And when you actually watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer now, the Xander character is so hyper-problematic. He's
0: very toxic, yeah. One difference with this movie that Joss Whedon did not borrow is how very dangerous Sun is for these vampires. Sun hits them and they blacken immediately and within 10 15 seconds they're on fire and they die within 30 seconds like yes it's real bad but for some reason that combined with their hundreds of years of being alive does not lead to them getting a good feel for when the sun is going to come up
1: no i it you know, for people who die immediately <laughs> when exposed to the sun, they are very careless about their sun exposure.
0: Yeah. And they get in these cars, and they drive around in normal cars, and then the sun starts coming up, and they're like, hey, hey, cover all the windows, quick! Right? <laughs> like, wait a minute. And you had all night to do this.
1: I mean, I, I think we're supposed to see, or that's supposed to show how disruptive Caleb is to their little, like, Family system. and He like, really messed them up. That they've had this thing. They've been... What's his face? Jesse, the guy who's in charge, was a Confederate soldier when he was alive. <laughs> yeah. So, like, he's been around a while. So clearly he understands. But, yeah, they were terrible about it. The number of times they all almost died just from the sun during yeah. the like three days that they were with Caleb <laughs> makes me wonder how they survived as long as they did. Yeah. One of the fa- my favorite comments that I wrote down was they're at the bar, they're fighting, like they're beating people up, they're murdering a bunch of people. The people in the bar are having almost no reaction. Yeah,
0: they were. I mean, they were in shock, I guess.
1: I guess. <laughs> I don't know. They just basically stood around waiting their turn. But while that bar fight was happening, May goes over and like to one of the, one of the cowboys who's freaking out. She's like, Oh no, it's okay. Dance with me. And then she like presents him to Caleb as a gift. Like this one's for you. (laughs) And eventually he bolts and dives out the window. And the comment that I wrote down was Caleb's drink just yeeted himself out the window.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I see which also felt like a firefly bar fight
1: <laughs> it did well yes the bar fight were like suddenly where they're fighting in the bar on unification day and they like keep getting thrown out the fake window yeah. and then serenity comes up from the edge of the cliff and you know,
0: all the good stuff from this, i will
1: blow this tiny
0: <laughs> moon
1: moon from the sky or something i don't remember what yeah oh yeah. firefly was great
0: near dark more like near light <laughs> this entire movie takes place between just about dawn and just after dawn
1: yeah like that's it's true.
0: it's never the sun is about to set
1: no well that wouldn't be a scary a scary time for them
0: i know but uh it's uh i'm not quite sure why they called it near dark
1: yeah maybe it was metaphorical in the sense that like Caleb is on the brink of going dark, but he... Is he? I mean, but he's, you know, his dad saved him, his sister saved him, and then he Mm -hmm. saved May. Yeah. And they wiped out the rest of the vampire circus, so... They sure did. I don't think there's any vampires left at the end of this movie.
0: (laughs) I'm watching this movie, and I'm like, this is causing the wrong emotions, because I'm feeling bad for this group of vampires, and, like, I want Caleb... To do his vampiring right. To so stop ruining their lives. Like just just, just kill go someone. kill someone. And like like they're the protagonists. I mean they're not, but they're the heroes. I mean
1: I kind of think it w- that's how the movie is set up. Like it is clear that they are bad guys, but it's also the drama is that he's being forced to choose between these two things that are important to him somehow. And like two families. Yes, essentially. And and it was sort of a like, there's decent people on both sides argument. <laughs> I don't even know. Like, yeah. I, I know what you mean by feeling torn, though, because it, it was it was weird to be like, I don't understand how it isn't more clear cut how I want this to go.
0: Well, yeah, like by the end, it becomes, you know, kind of your basic hero story where he's defeating the vampires which that whole him single-handedly defeating the entire group of vampires such
1: a merry just
0: because they're idiots and fall out of their cars right. it, that was insane and that was just too much but prior to that it's more like you know he's supposed to be fitting in with this group and he's just he's so bad at it i'm i'm not on his side
1: no I, it didn't help me any that i wasn't on his side from the beginning like yeah. there was no point where this guy was someone i wanted to like be friends with i cared more about his dad and his sister mm-hmm. like Basically, the only reason I didn't want him to die was because I didn't want his sister to have to deal with the grief of him being dead. She would have gotten over it. She was strong. Like, they would have been fine. Like, yeah, I was yeah. I, I was torn.
0: Well, and there's a bit where uh, they're getting out of that big shootout at the tiny cabin. And Caleb is the big hero. He mm. runs out into the sun with a blanket over him, gets lit on fire, and... Gets in the van and first of all, how he does this heroing—he takes the van and drives it through the wall of their tiny little hotel room, which they they couldn't see he was coming, so could have killed him right there with also the van. Also making
1: the largest of all the holes, giant that they been sun dodging. Hole. Yeah,
0: yeah, I mean massive, and then they. Somehow though, they just all pile in, and then he tr- continues driving and goes out the other side of the building. So yeah, that thing just plowed right through. That was a paper building; it was not much.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was like a shack.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was bad, but that was not the right way to solve that problem. That was that was very bad. But he did it, and he was their big hero, and that was like a redemptive moment where they were like, "Hey, you're so cool. You can have one of my spurs. You're you're in with us now."
1: Okay, is that a thing? Like I guess I don't know enough about Texas culture. Do you give someone <laughs> one of your spurs?
0: I mean, I don't think you need to.
1: I guess not. For cutting people's
0: necks open.
1: That's so weird. <laughs> like are there cowboys walking around with just one spur on? Like are spurs really expensive? Like I don't know. That I, that I piece was weird too. I me.
0: don't know the answer to that, but I think it was very kind of him to give him something he could use to kick people's heads off.
1: I mean, yes. It was also like very abbreviated emotional arc there like (laughs) we hate you and want you to die oh you saved us from this one fight you are one of us i will give you one of my most prized possessions you can hang out with us blah 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 yeah although jesse did say like you've got yourself a reprieve like jesse wasn't really on board but then like the very next thing that goes wrong they're like now we want you to die again
0: yeah what was the next thing that goes wrong that he Killed one of them?
1: Well, I think it was that his sister and his dad found them. Oh, sure. Which, I mean, yeah. It
0: was kind of a mess.
1: Yeah. The whole thing
0: was a mess. Like, he was the worst problem these guys have ever experienced.
1: Well... Okay, how weird is it that this, like, 20-something-year-old guy, he was clearly supposed to be in his early 20s, was able to outsmart in so many different ways a guy who has been around since the Civil War? Like, had Jesse learned nothing in the hundreds of years that he's been alive?
0: I mean, did he outsmart him?
1: I mean, he's alive and Jesse isn't. (laughs) Well,
0: I know. That's true. (laughs) But it seemed like a lot of goofball nonsense that led to that.
1: I guess. There was another comment that I made in my notes was that this is Romeo and Juliet, but with biting. Yeah, because there was a lot of like star-crossed lover. Kind well, because
0: he's been situation. bit, but he ain't been bled.
1: Exactly.
0: And also, I'm bit. I got a bite. <laughs> to quote the film. To
1: quote the film. <laughs> You can see how it would stick in Rajas Whedon's mind yeah. subtly forever and infiltrate everything uh-huh. he's ever done.
0: Uh, he never quite used that line, though. <laughs> well, I'm bit. I, I got a bite.
1: <laughs> I also noticed that, and I don't know what was influencing what here. There's, I don't know the timeline well enough of, of this universe we live in. But when Severin, the like, Jane vampire (laughs) was trying to stop Caleb and he's like, Caleb hits him with the semi and then he's like crawls up the front of the semi and he's all bloody and he's like pounds his fist through the top of the semi, the hood and like rips out a bunch of wires. I'm like, Severin is going all Terminator on this semi.
0: That's what I wrote (laughs) in my notes. He was absolutely a Terminator.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I mean, that was... That was kind of crazy. It was fun, though, which leads me to one of my main points with this movie. I don't normally get into this kind of thing, but Bill Paxton in this movie is amazingly good. Yeah. He plays the crazy vampire who, you know, it's that it's that kind of serial killer thing where They're like toying with their victims and laughing and just having a good time with it.
1: Well, it's the character, serial killer or not, whether it's someone who's killing or not, it's the character that just doesn't feel any need to follow social norms or feel any impact from people being like, you're acting weird.
0: It's real Jack Nicholson-y. Yes. Yeah. And he did an awesome job of that. The whole bar fight thing, which was basically centered around him being crazy. That was cool. And it was fun. And then he became a Terminator. Yeah. Caleb spends this entire movie in the same clothes and those clothes and his face and everything get more and more disgusting for the entire movie. Well, it's it's actually worse in the middle when he's first turned into a vampire and he's like like going through transformation pains. Yeah. He's got like slobber running down his face and he's just foaming at the mouth and covered with grease the whole movie like he's working in a coal mine
1: they did that a lot like there uh-huh. were a lot of shots where they were trying to punch up I think the light playing off of their faces but in order to do that they had to like vaseline their faces up <laughs> like because they were they were supposed to be like sweaty and shiny and yeah I'm like the only way you are getting that kind of reflection off <laughs> of these faces is if they are like l- greased up
0: well uh, when I said grease I was I'm not referring to that. I'm talking about black stuff, like black powder on their faces, like like a coal mine. I think what it was was them having been burned, completely blackened by the burning, and then they recover from it. We never see that, but we see them looking fine again, except that they've got black stuff on them. Mm -hmm. They're just filthy, and they never shower or change clothes.
1: No. And... Nobody seems to notice that this is what they all look like. He's got
0: blood all over his clothes. His
1: dad and his sister show up to that motel room and they're just like asking him a bunch of questions about why he's not going to come home with them and not like what happened to your (laughs) face? Why are you covered in blood? What is going on? Yeah,
0: It seems like you're with a bad crowd.
1: (laughs) Yeah. They walk in and he's in a single motel room with an, Old, old man with, like, facial <laughs> deformities. A, like, early middle-aged woman with kind of a punk vibe. A young woman. And a child. Yeah. Normal group. Sketchy. 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 Ratings. So, as a huge fan at one point maybe a slightly less huge fan at this point of Buffy and Firefly and and many other things that Joss Whedon has had a hand in. I really enjoyed seeing all of the like source material for yes. so many of those things that it I clearly had clearly was. Yeah, that I hadn't had had I'm so familiar with and I had never seen or heard of this movie. So like to see it and recognize it so clearly, I was like, oh, this is like intensely close. I found that fascinating. I was very distracted through the whole movie by the fact that it was Nathan Petrelli from (laughs) heroes who was Caleb, like the main character. Like I was so distracted by that because as young as he was, he looked exactly the same. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: (sighs) Okay. It's from 1987. I have to give it some leeway because of that in the sense that it's been a long time since this movie was made and storytelling has evolved a lot but oh my gosh it was so like from the very beginning where the very first scene is a mosquito (laughs) yeah on caleb's arm (laughs) yeah like that was that was my first comment mosquito is first shot as a little on the nose a little bit so like from that to the very intense drum music that was behind so many of the scenes. Like, I don't know if you noticed it, but like the music was something else.
0: <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah.
1: And uh, what else? Like everything was just so blunt and in my face with everything. <laughs> I don't know. I. It feels now very clumsily told and it's possible that it's just that I have learned more about stories and I have refined my palette some. And so this is like eh, less impressive. You've
0: already seen the refined remakes of this.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. And those were also from like 30 years ago.
0: <laughs> yeah, they were. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I don't know, like the whole thing just felt a little clumsy to me. And and I'm kind of sad that I can't watch it when it was new, because it also feels like it might have been something that was kind of revolutionary is a bit of a strong word, but like that it was a thing, like it was Mm -hmm. new. Maybe even just this idea of like sympathetic vampires, like, ooh, who do you really want to have him go with in the end kind of thing? I I could forgive that. But then when you layer on top the intensity of like gross misogyny, like, there's a scene where he stops driving her home and says, I will only bring you home if you kiss me. Yeah. Absolutely not, sir. No.
0: I mean, that's that's no. the character of Caleb.
1: So, like, because of that, I just have a yucky taste in my mouth. But I did enjoy going down the rabbit hole of, like, ooh, how much of what I used to credit to Joss Whedon was just stolen from Catherine Bigelow. And this movie Mm -hmm. and a lot how aware is Joss Whedon that that's what he did (laughs) because he didn't run around saying oh my gosh this movie was such an inspiration to me because he knows how closely he lifted pieces out of it like he wouldn't want to draw that much attention to it and he's the kind of guy who would not want to draw too much attention to something that might draw the public eye away from him and to mm. someone else, especially a woman.
0: That's an interesting thought.
1: So anyway, I enjoy that whole rabbit hole of like dunking on Joss Whedon because I can, I don't know.
0: Yeah. I had no idea we were in for that when we picked this movie. It was no. just like, Whoa, what's happening here?
1: Yes. So, okay. Long, long explanation for me to say, Okay. I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt because it's so old and because Catherine Bigelow wrote this movie and it is not fair to punish her because someone stole ideas from her and then manipulated me into believing that they were responsible for those ideas. I'm realizing I'm actually really angry about that. Wow. (laughs) Because I wanted to give this movie a two and a half, but that's not fair because it's not the movie's fault that someone else lifted pieces from it. So I'm going to give this movie three and a half freeze frames out of five.
0: I thought you were going to go way to the bottom of the numbers with what you were saying.
1: I mean, I want to. Here's the thing. (laughs) I want to. But also I'm when I think about why I want to score it low, it has nothing to do with the actual movie itself. And if I could disassociate it from everything that came after it, then the only thing I'm bothered about is that there's a lot of like gross misogyny and like to toxic relationships. And yeah, that's like every 80s movie. And I can dislike that. But I also think it's pretty obvious that these things are toxic and gross. Like, I don't think people are watching this movie going, I want to be Caleb, (laughs) you know? So I I probably should score it even higher because it was entertaining to watch. I don't know. So I will score Joss Whedon low sometime when I'm watching a Joss Whedon movie. (laughs) Okay. We'll, We'll leave it there. Let's
0: do that. I am so disappointed you didn't pan this into the ground because I thought we were going to have a big spread happening here. Because I had my number in my mind long ago. Yes. And that number was three and a half (gasps) freeze frames out of five. So we're right on the same spot. But for me, it was like, you know, this is a very dated movie. The cheesy ending, the way he just beats them all because they're idiots. Right? is just, it's bad. It's like Hollywood action kind of yeah. stuff, but it's also cheese ball. like so massive dumb.
1: explosions when they finally, <laughs> yes. like they burn to a certain point and then they, <laughs> and explode, then they explode like a can of kerosene.
0: <laughs> yeah. And just that was bad. And I don't know, like sort of that end stuff was rushed, but getting there was good. And like, like I thought it was really well done and put together. So, you know, it's got, 80s stinking grease all over it. Yes. But it it's actually pretty good mm-hmm. up until the sort of dumb ending. And so that's why I think it deserves three mm-hmm. and a half. And so I'm coming at it, same number, coming at it from the positive side while you're coming at it from the negative side. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I, think, I think this movie, probably people who are in the film industry, especially like horror and sci-fi, I'm sure this is a movie that everyone knows about. We are very late to the party here. Yes, we are. I'm sure that this is considered somewhat iconic for what it is because of these things. Like whether it was brand new or not when it came out, I think it did it in a way that stuck with people clearly. clearly. So yeah, I mean, I think there's something to be said about that. I, I want to point out one other, like, piece of misogyny that really bothered me that was at the end. At no point, and he had ample opportunity, at no point did Caleb have a conversation with May about like, hey, yeah, I'm reliving because (laughs) of this thing that my dad did. I know you said you really miss the son and you miss Mm -hmm. your family and it's been four years. Like, I could help you. Like he didn't tell her what was going nope. on and give her an opportunity to choose. Like he got no, the opportunity to he choose. He did not. He just. I know what's right for you, little ladied her up and you know fixed her up so that now he has he has a girl.
0: That is intense lack of consent. Yeah, that's not reversible unless you can find yourself a vampire. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Although I say he had a choice. I would have to go back and watch and see how much of a choice he actually had or how much his dad just like did it to
0: him. No, Oh No, he, he, was, he and his dad discussed it. Yes. Yeah. He, it was
1: actually his idea. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was his idea because he's the smartest, strongest, most <laughs> capable person in the whole world.
0: And he knows how not to jackknife a truck or how to jackknife it if you want when to. When appropriate. Yeah.
1: Like the horror of a world gone mad. My hot political tip for this week is to suggest that maybe we need to work a little bit harder, both in the political world and in the artistic creative world, to acknowledge those who have come before us. Mm-hmm. Because I think in both of those arenas, there's this idea that you have to be the one who came up with something you have to have invented something from whole cloth even though like in the storytelling world we know you know there's the the phrase which i don't buy into but has for this purpose it has some usefulness that there are only seven stories in the world and Mm -hmm. you know now we're just retelling them over and over again i don't know that seven is true and that phrase probably comes from a very like Eurocentric belief system. But we are telling the same stories from lots of different perspectives and from, you know, with different uh, time frames involved in different locations. like, but there's a lot of the same storytelling happening. And it's okay to say this, this is my version of this story. I was deeply inspired by this other thing. Mm-hmm. and I then placed it. In the world where i my perspective says hey this is what would have happened right yeah and i think politically we need to be doing the same thing i see a lot of fighting to be the one who invented some whatever idea is going to save the economy or is going to fix racism or is going to do this that or the other thing especially among white politicians and white advocates that were like we just came up with this idea (laughs) and then there are black women who are like, hi, we've been saying that for the last, like, 60 years. Thank you for giving us credit. Um, I just think everyone's so concerned about being the one who invented something so that they get their name in the history books that we're, like, hampering ourselves in a lot of different arenas. That is true. The business arena, too. Yeah. Give credit where credit is due. Don't be afraid to say I was inspired by, or I stood on the shoulders of, or I am carrying on the work that these other people started. Um, I think that's okay. So that's my hot political tip: give credit.
0: This podcast was inspired. I mean, it was it was initially inspired by the fact that we did text communication reviews, but I don't know why we started doing reviews in the first place or why we decided to make it a podcast, except I think it was cause it was more fun and easier than doing back and forth chat.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you started doing the reviews.
0: Yeah. I was doing it myself. And originally.
1: I, I really suspect that it was just because that was an excuse to watch a horror movie every single day in October. What? And then we started doing them together because we like each other. And then we turned them into a podcast. I agree because it was easier, but also because like that was what 2018 was our first podcast season. Everyone was doing podcasts in 2018.
0: Well, yeah, we were, I was listening to a lot of podcasts, so it was definitely in there. It was inspired by all of the podcasts.
1: Yeah. I want to say though, that I think some of my style or like the way I approach it. Is inspired by ASMR. <laughs> it's inspired by the podcast Sawbones, which is one of the McElroy brothers and his wife, who is a doctor, and they just like have this converse these conversations about things that she knows about and he knows nothing about. And it's it's just them as a couple having these conversations. And I think that's, that's yeah, that's what we do. Beyond that, I feel like <laughs> By the fact that we do no research and we don't actually, like, I don't actually listen to a lot of podcasts.
0: I don't anymore. I used to.
1: So, um, I don't know. There's not a lot of inspiration there. Oh,
0: I want to give some shout outs. Okay. I do remember that I was inspired by Mike and Tom Eat Snacks to do, again, like you said, the, the no research just say whatever, mm-hmm. dumb podcast of us talking about the snacks we ate. Only it's not snacks. It's a movie.
1: Yeah. Michael Ian Black is really good about that. Like he has a lot of things that he's done where whether it's true or not, it appears that he has done No research whatsoever, and he's just completely making it up as he goes along. Now, I suspect he is more of a professional than we are. I suspect. probably has done some research and is acting, whereas we are just completely uninformed.
0: Which makes our acting convincing.
1: It's method acting. Yeah, that's what it is.
0: (laughs) So we're also inspired by Meryl Streep. Yes, Yes. A lot of inspiration here.
1: All right. Anyway, um... I am inspired to be done with this episode, and I will be inspired anew again next week.
0: I'll be there, too. And we will watch a scary, scary movie
1: together.
0: Bye, everybody.
1: Bye. Don't forget to call your elected representatives.
0: About Joss Whedon's conduct. (laughs)
1: I have so much. What's the word I'm looking for?
0: Gravitas.
1: Nope. Oh. Supposition. Does that mean like when you make assumptions? When you about suppose things? things. Yeah. I have so much BS supposition about this movie today.